Welcome to the podcast that takes you back in time to rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. Get ready to go beyond the bell. With your host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman. There is a hostile takeover this week on Beyond the Bell as the New World Order is formed in WCW. This is WCW 101, the history of World Championship Wrestling, and we open up Chapter 10 covering the hostile takeover by the NWO. We go back in time to relive the formation of the illustrious group including the emergence of Hollywood Hogan and the Outsiders, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. I'm your host, Sean Beckerman, and after this quick timeout, we kick off the hostile takeover. Gamefly is the best way to rent and buy games. There's no late fees. You can keep them as long as you want. We are saving money, and we're playing more games. If you're a gamer, go to Gamefly.com right now and start your free 30-day trial today, now offering movie rentals. Welcome back to Beyond the Bell. At the conclusion of Chapter 9, WCW was in transition mode. Eric Bischoff felt as if his back were against the wall. After the risky decision was made to move WCW to Monday night's head-to-head against WWF Monday Night Raw, Monday Nitro was born, and WCW was at the most controversial time in its history. Either they were going to sink or swim with this radical change. During this time, the Dungeon of Doom and Hulk Hogan were battling Macho Man Randy Savage, WCW Champion... Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen reformed. Brian Pillman being controversial with the loose cannon gimmick. But still, WCW was not quite there, not quite to the point they were expecting to be. As the Hulkamania era was continuing on in WCW, it didn't have quite the flair they were expecting. It didn't have the essence or the impact they were hoping for as it did in the 80s with the World Wrestling Federation. It seemed to be repackaged, reformatted, but the same style was put in place with Hulkamania taking down the big bad foe. WCW did, though, have the national presence of being on TNT Network. With the red and yellow of Hulkamania floundering, Eric Bischoff knew something needed to change. New blood needed to be put into the WCW stream, and Hulkamania needed a change. And as we headed into the summer of 1996, two major contracts within the WWF were coming up. Big Daddy Cool Diesel had his contract come up at that point, 
and was renegotiating with the World Wrestling Federation. The caveat, though, was he was getting a massive offer from World Championship Wrestling at the same time. Kevin Ash, a.k.a. Diesel, took the money and ran with it at World Championship Wrestling, deciding to leave the WWF, the place that made him a star and world champion. This was especially since he was at his peak, and he was getting older at the time. The other individual was Ray's Ramon, Scott Hall. He was having various drug and alcohol problems within the WWF at that time. Not to mention odd behavior, so the World Wrestling Federation were not so amped to extend him a major offer to renew his contract. They did offer him to stay, but not to the level that WCW was offering with big-time money. They were unaware of how dangerous Hall would be to their company years later, but nevertheless, they did sign him to a big money deal. At that point, they thought they were matching the World Wrestling Federation's offer. So the two big names were signed. Razor Ramon and Diesel were leaving the WWF to WCW. At the time, this was these were two of the most influential superstars to transition from one company to another. Two of the biggest names to quote-unquote jump ship to the competition. Eric Bischoff saw how few hostile takeover angles were done in various places, mainly in Japan, and he thought with Kevin Ash and Scott Hall, he could arrange such an angle. There were rumors that ran rampant as to Bischoff wanting a third man a part of this team. At the same time where Kevin Nash and Scott Hall's contracts were coming up, so was Brett the Hitman Hart's. It was rumored that Eric Bischoff tried to sign Bret Hart as well to be the third man of the group. All are rumors and nothing was ever confirmed. With the third man, this angle seemed more of a possibility. Bischoff offered up supposedly lots of money, a ton of money, to sign Bret to WCW. But Bret Hart did not break his loyalty to the World Wrestling Federation and Bret would later re-sign with the WWF for the famous 20-year contract. Of course, it had a famous one-year out clause, which would have a major impact in 1997. So now Bischoff needed a third man to complete the hostile takeover team. Eric Bischoff was talking to Ted Turner about the roadblock he hit, and together they brainstormed that it would be interesting to see Hulk Hogan as a heel. It would especially work since Hogan was taking time off at this point. So they came to Hogan and asked them to turn heel. He said he'd love to do it since he started in the business as a heel. So what would the Hogan character as a heel turn into? What would be the proper fit? Hogan would be the third man of the hostile takeover or the third outsider. WCW was very smart in the way they handled this angle. Firstly, they slowly teased us with Scott Hall appearing on a Nitro in early summer. He teased that he was somewhat from the WWF and that they were taking over, but never exclusively said the World Wrestling Federation. 
it was so strange at the time, but surreal in a sense. It had the whole wrestling world tuning into Nitro to see what else he'd had to say. It garnered the attention that Nitro was looking for. At one point, even insiders thought they were seeing a WWF superstar invade WCW. Nothing was ever seen like this before. Nothing like this was ever done on wrestling television. On May 27, 1996, not only WCW, but the entire wrestling industry changed forever. It was the first ever two-hour episode of Monday Nitro. When Nitro originally debuted, it was a one-hour program competing head-to-head with Monday Night Raw. But in order to increase the competition, to put even more pressure on the WWF, not only did they take their stars away, but they were doubling the competition. They were doubling the hours of action being seen on television. Therefore, the two-hour episode of Monday Nitro was born. Double the action. Also, the commentary team originally for Nitro consisted of Bobby the Brain Heenan, Tony Schiavone, and Steve Mongo McMichael. Yes, the former NFL football player. Mongo was a part of WCW in the broadcasting role. The last time you may have seen him on big-time television or big-time wrestling television was at WrestleMania 11, a part of Lawrence Taylor's team against Bam Bam Bigelow. Mongo, you could say, was not one of the best behind the mic when it came to broadcasting, but the two-hour edition was born. The two-hour edition was born. Mongo was a wrestler, and the first hour, as a result, featured Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco on commentary, while the second hour featured Eric Bischoff and Bobby the Brain Heenan. This is an original as well for the very first time we actually saw a major television wrestling show feature two separate commentary teams for each separate hour. Sometimes you'd see a guest host here and there popping and out, but an assigned hour was scheduled for two separate broadcast teams. I think it's a technique that is very undervalued to this very day. Nevertheless, we flash back to May 27th, 1996. A video package was shown during the introduction of Nitro, featuring Hulk Hogan showing his appearances with George Foreman, Shaquille O'Neal, Dennis Rodman, Kevin Green, and Sugar Ray Leonard, as well as him appearing on the TV hit show Baywatch, a quite different WCW at that point, and a quite different Hulk Hogan. Then, wrestling changed forever. In the middle of a match between Mike Enos, you may know him as one of the Beverly Brothers, in the crowd, a familiar face made his way down the ramp. Not the entrance ramp, but in the crowd. A familiar superstar made his presence. It was Razor Ramon from the World Wrestling Federation. Razor Ramon was on WCW television. At the time, a WWF superstar was on the competition. Was this another Lex Luger? What is this superstar, this WWF superstar, doing on WCW Nitro? This interruption caused a stir throughout the entire industry. Not only did Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, make his way down the ramp through the crowd, he stepped over the guardrail into the ring, just interrupting the match in its entirety. 
The match was thrown out. Both men just left the ring in shock. The referee, looking stunned as well, Hall, Razor Ramon, grabbed the microphone. And from that point on, Nitro and WCW changed forever. WCW wanted a war, and they got one. Officially, Razor Ramon has entered WCW to invade and take over World Championship Wrestling. Even though this wasn't the first time we saw a WWF superstar appear on WCW television, this was a little different. Like I mentioned, Lex Luger made his return on the debut edition of Monday Nitro. But there was still maybe a little bit of separation from Lex Luger on WWF television onto WCW television. Even though the contract between Luger and the WWF ended rather quickly and abruptly between his WCW contract... It was shocking, but it didn't have still this invasion type of feel because technically Luger was a big star in WCW. Razor Ramon wasn't quite as big as the Diamond Stud previously in World Championship Wrestling. We saw Medusa return on WCW television, aka Alundra Blaze from the World Wrestling Federation, and she technically was still the women's champion at the time. She actually brought the women's title onto Nitro and dumped it in the garbage can. But, as well, it was known that Medusa, Alundra Blaze, was not affiliated with the World Wrestling Federation anymore. She was choosing WCW. She left holding the greatest honor in her sport. You know, I, I, I left, got released, and I was still the WWF Ladies' Champion when I left. Despite being unemployed, Medusa still had her WWF Women's Championship belt. She also had a few friends back in WCW as well. Eric Bischoff knew a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity when he saw one. And once again, he jumped at it. When I left, Eric Bischoff was smart on the game. He was in his game. He called and said, Deuce, how would you like to come back to work? You're still a ladies' champion, right? And I said, yeah. Yes, I am. I go, why? He goes, I got an idea. So we talked about his, you know, another contract and what we were going to do. And then he goes, I want you to come in first night, Monday Night Nitro. Come in live. You bring that lady's tie over the WWF and you drop it in the trash can. I thought, oh, I'm in trouble. One of her first nights on uh, WCW Monday Nitro, uh, she dropped the World Wrestling Federation's belt in a garbage can and it caused... Uh, tremendous amount of controversy when you kind of degrade a, a belt like that it, it made uh, Vince McMahon uh, a little ticked off that, that she would drop the, the WWF women's title belt in the garbage but Medusa was uh, one of the top female wrestlers uh, that there ever was so and with all her different titles that she's won I mean she in 1996 on May 27th we still believe Razor Ramon was a WWF superstar what, were the WWF going to come in and invade WCW? Was this the future for Nitro? Had Vince McMahon and Raw had it and they were going to take over the competition inside and out? Razor Ramon left us with all these questions, even at the end of Nitro, interrupting Eric Bischoff, who was asking him, what is the deal? What are you doing here? And Hall made a claim that there was going to be a second man to accompany him next week to continue the invasion. I tell you what, mayhem here at the end of the night, and like I said, hours ago, these guys had to be considered 
some of the closest friends around. And tonight, it just breaks down here. He and I don't know what to make of it. Man. Well, there is no friendship, like I said. They're both in that ring. They both want what each other has. They both want that, they both want that position. They both want to be on top here at WCW. And the only way to do that is you got to kick people's butts. you got to make enemies. All right, all right, all right. Hey, looky here. You wanted to say... you got such a big mouth. And we, we are sick of it. What do you mean, who's me? No. Hey, this is where the big boys play? What a joke. I tell you what. You go tell billionaire Ted, you tell him get three of his very, very best. Maybe, uh, maybe the Nacho Man. Oh, no. Hey, maybe, maybe he get the stinger. Ooh, I'm so scared. You go get anybody you want, because we... What do you mean, we? We are taking over. You want to go to war? You want a war? You got one. Only, only let's do it right. In the ring, where it matters. Not on no microphones. Not in no newspapers or dirt sheets. Let's do it in the ring, where it matters. If, uh, if billionaire Ted and his big boys, if they got any, uh, any guts, because we are coming down here You're stepping over the line and like it or not not we are taking over i tell you what it happens when you count down no. to a major let me tell you something let me tell the world something savages out there watching do you think you're going to tear me apart put your dirty dirty hands around my body at the great american bash you you and this whole world is wrong I don't have any beef with you. I didn't take money from Flair that was filtered through your ex-wife to give to me. You're badly mistaken. I wear glasses. I don't want to be touched or bothered. Sounds to me like Bobby Heenan, you are backpedaling. You are really backpedaling now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't want any trouble with you. I don't want any trouble with you here, now. But I have to point out, you came out here last week. Where is it? The big surprise. I mean, I heard a lot of talk, but where's the walk? What? I'm here. Where is it? You've been sitting out here for six months, running your mouth. This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective, play. We ain't here to play. 
Now he said last week that he was going to bring somebody out here. I'm here. You still don't have your three people. And you know why? Because nobody wants to face us. This show's about as interesting as Marge Schott reading excerpts from Mein Kampf. Yeah, no trouble, because you know I'll kick your teeth down your throat. Where's your three guys? You want, you couldn't get a paleontologist to get a couple of these fossils cleared? You ain't got enough guys off a dialysis machine to get a team? Yeah, where's Hogan? Where's Hogan? Out doing another episode of Blunder in Paradise? Where's the macho man, huh? Doing some Slim Jim commercial? Hey, we're here. You want to say something? Look, I don't have the authority right here, right now. You want to fight? Fight is it with me. You want three guys tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. I'm going to be in Atlanta. I'll be in the offices of WCW. I'll try and get you your fight. And you know what? Live this Sunday in Baltimore, Great American Bash. You guys want to show up? You want to fight? You show up. I'll see if I can get you your fight. I don't know about you, but hey, they love us in Baltimore. Hey, hey big man, I say me and you, we'd be at the Bash. Maybe these punks want to fight. Yeah. I'll be there. Bring what you got. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. July 7th, 1996. Bash at the beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. In the Ocean Center, history was made and World Championship Wrestling would change forever. WCW would never be the same again. WCW was very smart by keeping this under wraps and low-key as to not majorly publicize the signing of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Scott Hall's contract ended first before Nash's, only weeks apart, therefore separating the two when debuting in WCW. As a result, Scott Hall was the first man to show up on Nitro. The following week, Hall returned again. Then, at the end of the show, Sting confronted Hall and slapped him silly. Hall warned him that he'd have a big surprise for them next week. That big surprise was Kevin Nash. And suddenly, the whole industry's jaws just dropped. Two WWF stars are taking over WCW. They mentioned the billionaire Ted name, the huckster, the nacho man, the three names that were used in the cartoonish-like skits in the World Wrestling Federation at the, not, at the time, promoting the new generation. I was against it, didn't give guarantees, just gave opportunities at the time. So I had to um, do what I thought was best for me and my family, and I accepted an offer from WCW. Can you imagine a company signing a contract that says, okay, yeah, I'll come in for X amount of dollars, but anybody else that you hire after me, they can't make more than me, or you have to bump me up to that contract. Those guys could come in to WCW and just literally carve whatever they wanted out of it. Well, many of you know that for the last several weeks, since uh, May 27th, as a matter of fact, 
We've had a number of, let's just call them interruptions on Nitro. It came across as Razor Ramon. Nash came across as Big Diesel. Well, we didn't use the name. Well, why didn't we use the name? Because we wanted the people to think that WWE was invading us. Wow. Look at this. Let's, go, let's everybody go to war here at WCW. Let's do it. Forget about the past, Chico. Let's worry about the future. It was, in essence, you know who we are. You know, meaning WWE, and in essence, we're invading WCW. I remember watching this unfold on television. I could not believe I was watching Scott Hall on WCW Nitro. He still was saying Chico, had the Razor Ramon voice and tone to him, had the hairstyle just like it. Basically, he was Razor Ramon on WCW television, but they could not call him Razor Ramon or anything of that likeness. They didn't refer to him with any name, just as this outsider coming in to take over. National promised to be at the Great American Bash with a special challenge. The challenge was for WCW to put up their top three wrestlers against Hall, Nash, and their mystery partner, the Mystery Outsider. Bischoff would not reveal the three WCW wrestlers at the bash, so he was powerbombed hard off the stage in a thrilling moment in wrestling on two tables right below the entranceway. The three wrestlers were announced on Nitro, which would be Sting, Macho Man Randy Savage, and Lex Luger to face the Outsiders. But the intrigue was who this third man was going to be. It had everybody guessing. That powerbomb off the entranceway onto the tables made an impact as it made them even feel more and more like... Outsiders. It should be noted at the time that the WWF sent legal notice to WCW for a cease and desist for portraying that Razor Ramon and Diesel were on WCW television, portraying the likeness of their characters in the World Wrestling Federation. As a result, on the Great American Bash, Bischoff had to ask Hall and Nash if they were a part and working for the World Wrestling Federation, which both of them flat out said no. Nothing in between to get out of those legal proceedings. We're prepared right now to give them an answer. They know who they are. I know they're here. Come on out, guys. everybody go to war here at WCW. Let's do it. Alright, I promise you an answer. That's what you're here for. But we've got some questions we've got to resolve before we do all that. Right off the bat, I want to let you know right here, right now. I was in the WCW offices, debated you want a match, you want a war, you want it inside of the ring, you're going to get it. I fell into the trap, big man. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I got some couple considerations here. Before we go a whole lot further, I will tell you it'll be at Bash at the Beach, July 7th, 
in Daytona. I'm free. I'm but free. before we go any further, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before we go any further, let's clear one thing up. Do you work for the WWF? No. How about it? No. Forget about the past, Chico. Let's worry about the future. We want to know who your three guys are. Is it, is it the uh, Nacho Man? I don't think so. And what about, what about the immortal Huckster? You know, you tell billionaire Ted to break out the money and get anybody you can because the big man and the medium-sized man and our surprise buddy are gonna carve them up. I want to ask you a question right now. He's had his say. Who are they, man? Who are they? Come I on. can't tell you. I'll tell you tomorrow night on Nitro. That's the deal. You can't tell us? You don't jack us around, don't jack Oh, for crap! Whoa! What are they doing? Security! Security. Get up there right now! For, oh, for... Oh. Get Somebody security up, up there! Unbelievable! Please! Please get it! Unbelievable! This is sick! Yeah, Tony, I got it. They I, should... They, hold on. Where's the at? He's right down below us here. Oh my god. We're, we're gonna need some medical attention right now. Yes. Right now, ladies and gentlemen. Big boys. They just left the building. Hey, get these guys off here. Cut this thing off. Get some, what they Can we have on. some medical this is sick. Eric Bischoff. Of course the host of Nitro. Executive producer and Speaking of the Great American Bash, the hype of Hall and Nash overshadowed a promising moment, which got a lot of media attention. Brian Pillman left WCW, but after a very strange match with Kevin Sullivan at Super Brawl that year, Sullivan and Pillman pulled a stunt that only smarts would know in an I Respect match. Pillman got on the mic and said, I respect you, Booker Man early on in the matchup. WCW took it seriously, since Sullivan was the booker and it was exposing the business. So Pillman was let out of his contract before it eventually was about to come up. WCW sprang up an idea involving Steve Mongo McMichael, who had had a beautiful wife to use as a valet, Deborah. Mongo, then a part-time commentator, wanted to become uh, an active wrestler. Kevin Green, one of the best defensive players at the time in the NFL, wanted in on WCW. He wanted to be a part as an active wrestler in World Championship Wrestling. So the WCW creative juices got flowing, and they came up with an angle to make Mongo the next horseman. You heard it right. Steve McMichael took Pillman's spot in the four horsemen. It should be noted that it was rumored to be that Pillman and Bischoff had this idea to swerve the people to make them believe this was real in terms of him calling Kevin Sullivan Booker Man and trying to use inside lingo to make himself seem like a renegade, a rogue, to further the loose canon gimmick that he was trying to portray. As a result, the plan was supposed to be Pillman gets fired. They make it look legit, look legit by 
by actually firing him, then bringing him back, or him possibly going to other smaller promotions, maybe ECW, then bringing him back, thus promoting his character to get him further along in the company, or so we thought. He leaves WCW and then signs with the World Wrestling Federation. Whether that was Pillman's plan, whether it was the plan for Bischoff and Pillman to swerve the fans, to make it seem like it was all real and emotional and confrontational, meanwhile it was all scripted behind the scenes, or whether it was really true to the fact that Pillman overstepped his bounds, got fired, went to the WWF. Interesting story, nevertheless, and it fit Brian Pillman so well. Back to the angle with Mongo and the Horseman. The angle was popular at the time, and it was one of the more creative ones from WCW. But the long-term plan with Mongo as a Horseman, you could say, maybe was not so much. The three remaining Horsemen attacked Mongo, who made some comments against the Horsemen at the time. Flair and Anderson challenged Mongo to find someone to fight them. Which he did. He found Kevin Green. And the match was set for the Great American Bash. During the match, Deborah McMichael was taken to the back for some reason. She came back out in a stunning evening gown and with a briefcase. She showed Mongo the money in the case, and he was amazed. He slammed it shut, and whack! He nailed Kevin Green with it to become the fourth horseman. It was a pretty good angle at the time, but overall you could say a bad move for the future, especially for the horseman. In reality, the outsider angle was the cream of the crop. Everyone tuned into Nitro to maybe catch a glimpse of the third man. Who could it be? Someone else from the WWF. Could it be Shawn Michaels? Could Triple H, former Click members, come over? What is going to happen? The outsiders would make random attacks on wrestlers and even screwed Lex Luger and Sting out of their titles when they came to the ring with baseball bats. The tension was so thick, fans, you could cut it with a knife. The cruiserweight division was also spectacular at the time, and always it generated great matches. You throw that as an opener, it would set a red-hot card right from the gate. Nitro was slowly pulling away from the WWF at the time, but it would need a great surprise third man at Bash at the Beach to really make this get over. The match was set. The Outsiders and the Third Man vs. Macho, Sting, and Luger. Bash at the Beach, 1996. The Third Man needed to be shocking to get this angle over, and it sure was, wrestling fans. The match was on. During the bout, the tension grew and grew as it was three on two for most of the matchup. Right before the bell rang, it was noted that the two men they're going to call, Diesel and Razor Ramon, they didn't mention their names on, on television, they referred to the two men standing in the ring as Hall and Nash. Diesel and Razor were gone. Hall and Nash were born. Most of the contest, like I said, was a handicap confrontation, three on two, the Outsiders taking on WCW. The one issue I had personally with the match was the fact that you were supposed to have WCW versus the Outsiders, a.k.a. the WWF. You had Sting and Luger on the team, but you also had the Macho Man Randy Savage. Sure, you wanted a top name to be a part of the main event, but he really wasn't a WCW guy. Rumors ran rampant. Was Macho Man the third man that was going to turn on Sting and Luger? I felt to get it even more over, 
you needed to have another pure WCW guy in there. Short Flair was tied up with the Horseman feud and Mongo McMichael, of course, but Flair was WCW. And what a fit. But you can also say you throw a wrench in there by throwing Macho Man in the mix to where maybe Macho will be the third man. Hulk Hogan came down during the match to what many thought he'd be replacing the injured Lex Luger. Oh no, he was not. He was the third man, the third outsider, and it turned the entire wrestling industry upside down, inside out, and in a whirlwind of greatness. What was to come would turn WCW and change the industry forever. This great move to have Hogan as the third man gave Nitro the edge that they needed to finally put the nail in the WWF Dynasty's coffin. Bischoff's goal was to put McMahon out of business. He went one step further with this move. WCW was now the top federation in the industry. And there was no looking back until the WWF totally stepped it up in 1998. Of course, WCW did not keep themselves on top, but that's a different story and should be told later on in the next chapter. I just had this gut feeling that if he did this, this would put it over the top. Hulk Hogan is in the building! You're damn right he is! Go get him, Hulk, sir! Yes, sir! Get him, Hogan! As I was on my way out to that ring, I was thinking, oh my gosh, are we going to get out of this ring alive? Oh my gosh, how much stuff are they going to throw? Oh my gosh, are they going to have a riot? Hulk Hogan arrived! Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. What is he oh doing? Oh my God! Is he the third man? He's the third man! Dropped the leg on Randy Savage, turned against my brother, the macho man. Yeah. Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW! This right here! Here's the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. And not only are we going to take over, we will destroy everything in our path, Meiji. Hulk had to be number three, because Hulk changed that whole face and that whole deal. That was huge. All of a sudden, our numbers took off, and we reigned, and we ruled the wrestling world in the ratings. When Hulk Hogan turned after all those years, and then Scott Hall and Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash running rushout over WCW, it was like, holy sh**, what's going on here? There's Rey Mysterio. He dove off. That's Rey Mysterio. There's the Cruiserweight Champion, Rey Mysterio. Oh, no! Head first into the trailer in the back. He was a dart. NWO was a great creation. NWO was, I mean, it was it was monumental. If you go back and look at some of the very earliest NWO vignettes, was I produced it in black and white. And rather than a stand-up, you know, microphone, back and forth kind of interview, which is what everybody had always done, I wanted to create something that felt a little different. When you get that singing, what do you want for your birthday? I want to beat the giant. I want to The plan that Eric Bischoff had laid out at that point was he wanted it to be perceived as a separate company. So therefore, we needed our more talent. We we thought the plan was to have our own TV show, our own merchandise, everything, so that the fans would decide: Do you like WCW? Do you like NWO? 
I wanted to create a WCW and I wanted to create an NWO and I wanted there to be a conflict between those two organizations. This guy here was the foundation of the WCW. Now he works for the NWO. When the storyline had evolved and it was suggested that I become part of the NWO, there was some concern that overexposing myself and getting too involved at that level in the storyline would would be a problem for me both as the executive running the company and as an announcer. We are going to build a dynasty. You're either with us or you're against us. In terms of how it affected my ability to still be the executive of the company and maintain relationships with talent, I was a little bit concerned about that, but I felt strongly enough about the storyline. You know, the whole NWO platform was to basically create anarchy. I don't think there's any great master plan. Eric Bischoff did come up with New World Order. With the, that was his idea. And... Uh, the rest of it just kind of fell into place. I mean, there was no big master plan. It was just, it was, it was perceived to be a takeover. Eric Bischoff, for a lot of people don't give him the credit, he's, he was very sharp and he had a lot of different ideas. And one idea that he brought was the NWO, which was basically a concept put out by New Japan Pro Wrestling. It was an inner working group within the company that was a rival group to everybody else in that company. Bischoff obviously got the idea for the NWO from, from an angle that they did in Japan. I think that was one of the biggest reasons why the Monday Night Wars took off. WCW was on top of the professional wrestling mountain. Hulk Hogan was a part of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. They called themselves the New World Order. It was so surreal to see the fans boo, throw trash, and demean Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan for the very first time in his popular tenure in wrestling history was a heel. Sure, he was a heel when he first came into the business, but this was the first time since the Hulkamania craze, Hogan was now a bad guy. A hated villain. It fit because the fans were craving something new from the Hulkster. The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. We hit a home run at my feet, that big nasty giant, the WCW belt, and turned it into our belt, you know, the NWO belt, he was crying. And then a couple days later, I beat the so-called dirtiest player in the game, <laughs> he was crying too. The WCW, the world crybaby wrestlers, doesn't work anymore. In war games with the WCW's finest, the so-called establishment of the WCW. In the cage with us, brother, Sting will be stung. 
Woo! All my little stingers. It just doesn't work anymore. Luger will be hung. Flair won't even be there. Woo! In styling and profiling. You shouldn't brag about that. And Arn won't be Arn anymore, brother. Because the NWO will take care of all the NWO business on that day. You just gotta change with the times, man. But when we get you in the cage, brothers, we're gonna bring you up to speed. Just like my two friends brought me up to speed. I know what works now. You gotta take what you want. You gotta bond together for business reasons only. <laughs> Sting, Luger, Arn, and Flair. The way you guys bonded, the way you guys made a deal, it was touching. <laughs> it made me cry a little bit, but it was real, real weak. I mean, to see you guys out there appeasing each other, talking about what you'd been through together, about the old days in the WCW. We well, you know what? Times have changed. What you gonna do in war games? When the N.W.O. destroys you, anything less would be civilized. The preceding announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. In 1997, W.S.W. entered its peak, largely due to the N.W.O. storyline. During that time, the N.W.O. feuded with the revived and now face-turned for Horsemen, as well as returning WCW hero Sting. The Stinger felt he needed to represent WCW. But there was a wrench thrown in, which would lead to the most anticipated match in WCW history. As the NWO was poaching WCW superstars to have them jump ship, quote-unquote, over the NWO, rumors were running rapid that the Stinger was being approached by the NWO, and he was ready to jump ship. This is a WCW special report. The attack, as we have come to call it in World Championship Wrestling, took everyone by surprise. I do mean everyone. From the wrestlers to front office staff to production personnel, May the 27th, 1996 was a day we will never forget. It happened on WCW Monday Night Raw. You want a war? You're going to get one. You War was in the air, and WCW was all too quick to give an unofficial response. You have any idea where you are? You're in the jungle, baby! This is WCW! However, Hall had been talking to another outsider, the big man, as he called him. A week later, the big man showed up and shocked everyone. This is where the big boys play, huh? We ain't here to play. The measuring stick just changed around here, buddy. You're looking at it. All parties were on hand at the Great American Bash for the official response to World Championship Wrestling. The reaction by these outsiders was beyond belief. You don't jack us around, don't you? Oh, for Christ! Whoa! What are they doing? Security! Get up there right now! WCW had accepted the challenge of the Outsiders for a match at the Bash at the Beach. It would be Lex Luger, Sting, and the Macho Man representing World Championship Wrestling. But who would the Outsiders' third man be? This footage 
tells the incredible story. Hulk Hogan is here! Hulk Hogan's here! Hulk Hogan is in the building! Yes, sir! Get him, Hogan! Go get him, baby! Is he the third man? He's the third man! I hope you love it. Can you you just sold your soul to the devil. Hulk Hogan has betrayed WCW! And you fans can stick it, brother! The new world order had been formed, and in the following weeks, WCW received numerous messages and repeated attacks. The outsiders are in the back, please! There they are! They got baseball bats! The coward jerks! No! Oh, the Macho Man is on the limousine! All the while, it seemed that maybe the wrestlers in World Championship Wrestling were coming together. Seeing Sting, Ric Flair and other prominent superstars leaving together in an ambulance was evidence of that fact. That at Hogwild, the MWO reached new heights. Luger and Sting lost to the Outsiders thanks to some questionable actions by referee Nick Patrick. Get him up. What, what was that? Patrick stumbled. One, two, three. Shortly after, Hollywood Hulk Hogan robbed the giant of the WCW heavyweight title. Hogan then turned on his longtime friend. And then Hogan desecrated the prestigious WCW world title belt. The NWO did not let up. The attacks intensified. Rumors had it, more were joining their organization. WCW finally felt they needed to unify. And the top superstars came to a historic agreement. There's only four people in this ring right now that have ever felt war games. I'll walk the path with the enforcer. With war games looming, the NWO continued its assault, marking WCW property and victims along the way. But the worst was yet to come. The warning of more to join the NWO came through. Ted DiBiase arrived with financial backing and leadership. The balance of power quickly shifted to the NWO as the giant jump ship. What is going on here? The Giant has just shot the wrestling world. And then the crowning blow. The most shocking turn of events in WCW history. The franchise did the unthinkable. No! 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 Come on, do it. Oh, we're in bad trouble now. We're in trouble. Leave this. Sting! Has turned! He's been bought off by DiBiase! Unquestionably, WCW is really. The attack that began in May by one man has now grown into a full-scale assault from all sides. The WCW War Games, a match that has been part of its tradition, now becomes a match of its survival. It should be noted here that Eric Bischoff's ultimate goal really was to create confrontation and competition within WCW. He wanted the wrestling fans to think of the NWO as a separate entity, as a separate organization. That was the plan for the NWO, is to create a separate league, separate wrestlers, separate rosters between both brands, and have it compete with WCW. So people aren't looking at the WWF and WCW as one and two, but rather looking as WCW and the NWO as one and two, thus phasing out the WWF entirely. That was the goal 
for the NWO from Eric Bischoff from the get-go. That would mean, of course, WSW talent moving over to the NWO, therefore expanding it, which ultimately was its downfall. But we move further to the Sting storyline. Sting being approached to jump ship to the NWO. That leads us to Hogwild in Sturgis, South Dakota. The Sturgis Rally and Race featured the main event of Hulk Hogan taking on WCW World Champion, the Giant, August 10th, 1996. This is where we saw Hulk Hogan defeat WCW World Champion, the Giant, who was accompanied by his former manager, Jimmy Hart. He won the championship. Hulk Hogan won the WCW title. Hulk Hogan, a member, a founding father of the NWO, was now WCW World Champion. After the matchup, the Booty Man appeared, who we know to be Brutus the Barber Beefcake, wearing an NWO t-shirt. He had a birthday cake for Hogan as well. And after the Booty Man wished Hogan a happy birthday, Hogan cut a promo on Ric Flair and the attack on Arn Anderson, with Hogan then ordering Hall and Ash to hold Booty so he could hit him with the title belt. They turned on his friend. Hogan turned on Brutus Beefcake. And in one of the most memorable moments in WCW history, Hulk Hogan pulls out a spray can and sprays the letters NWO on the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. The big gold belt, the prestigious gold belt, was defaced by the New World Order. That led us to Clash of the Champions, edition number 33 from Denver, Colorado. Eddie Guerrero pinned Diamond Dallas Page to win the Battle Bowl ring. This was done with a frog splash after knocking Page off the top rope. The Giant pinned Chris Benoit. This should be noted because it made an imprint in my mind of just how athletic the Giant was. He pinned Chris Benoit at the 23-second mark with a dropkick and a chokeslam after Benoit got caught in his vest while a woman was grabbing it. So Benoit was trying to take off his vest. The Giant dropkicked him and laid him out with a chokeslam. One of the more memorable moments in WCW history. And then in the main event, WCW US Champion Ric Flair defeated WCW World Champion Hulk Hogan via disqualification. This was due to Scott Hall and Kevin Ash coming through the crowd and ganging up on Flair. This was interesting to note because now it seemed as if Ric Flair was now the babyface and Hogan the heel. The roles were reversed the last time these two battled inside the ring. Around this time, a big coup for the NWO took place. At this very moment in WCW history, the NWO consisted of just three individuals. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Now known as Hollywood Hogan... Because of his Hollywood ties and the evil ways that Hulk Hogan now portrays, the three of them ran roughshod through WCW. Then on Nitro one evening, we saw a familiar face once again in the crowd. It was the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. DiBiase held the four fingers up in the air. What does this mean? Was Ted DiBiase joining the four horsemen? That was not to be as a swerve once again took place, and the number four symbolized the fourth man being a part of the NWO. Ted DiBiase joined the faction. Shortly after, we saw another WCW superstar, quote-unquote, jump ship. A surprising event that took place, the giant 
joined the New World Order, the former superstar that was laid waste by Hogan at Hogwild, losing his championship, now was a part of the NWO. Fall Brawl 96 took place, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. September 15th, WCW World Champion Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and the quote-unquote NWO Sting, along with Ted DiBiase, defeated Sting, Lex Luger, WCW US Champion Ric Flair, and Arn Anderson in a War Games matchup. This is when tension and stress was caused within the WCW locker room. The NWO stated that now they were stronger, more powerful than ever, as they were going after WCW's number one babyface, their number one star, their homegrown star. Hogan made claim that Sting was going to join the NWO. Not only did they say he was going to join, but he already is a member of the group. This caused tension between Lex Luger, his best friend, and Sting. Luger asking Sting, what the, what, asking, what is the deal, Sting? Are you a part of the NWO, or are you with us in World Championship Wrestling? Sting continued to make claim that he was not a part of the NWO. Still, there was not complete trust for the Stinger. So this War Games match was very crucial for both sides. Was the power shift going to swing? Was the power going to shift over to the NWO as WCW was trying to hold on to their company? Could they lose the Stinger? Could they actually lose the man that was homegrown in WCW? So for the very first time, the horseman Ric Flair and Arn Anderson wanted to partake in this event and team with the babyfaces. Therefore, Luger, Sting, Ric Flair, and Anderson teamed up in the War Games matchup. They took on Team NWO, consisting of Hulk Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and supposedly Sting. Sting couldn't be on both sides, so what was actually going to happen? During the event, we actually saw someone that looked like Sting wrestle for the NWO. We all thought it was Sting. He had the Sting face paint come out, but it actually was an impersonator, an imposter Sting, working for the NWO. But at the time, people were to believe that Sting actually joined the order. The end of the match came when Randy Anderson called for the bell after Luger became caught in the NWO Sting Scorpion Deathlock as Hogan had Luger in a choke. This won the matchup for Team NWO. Once Sting actually entered the match, he single-handedly laid out the NWO before walking out on his team for them not believing in him, thus leaving them outnumbered. Sting felt as if WCW turned his back on their number one star. The show ended with Savage being attacked left alone as Miss Elizabeth came to cover Savage's body. Hogan spray-painted NWO across her back. The NWO, the New World Order, was more powerful than ever. That leads us to Halloween Havoc. October 27, 1996. Kevin Nash and Scott Hall defeated WCW Tag Team Champions Harlem Heat to win the Tag Team titles. They were now WCW Tag Team Champions. And in the main event, WCW World Champion Hulk Hogan pinned Macho Man Randy Savage. The Macho Man tried to avenge what took place at Fall Brawl, but was unsuccessful as Hulk Hogan retained the championship. 
but that was not the most momentous event that took place during this Halloween Havoc event. As another familiar face returned on national television, Rowdy Roddy Piper made his debut in WCW that night and made claim that he was coming after Hollywood Hulk Hogan. I've come here to break your monotony. Hey, Sprout! Sprout! Why don't you just head back with a Jolly Green Giant and take a break? Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you know what, uh, Mr. Piper? There's a big lack of communication here because when I said that I made wrestling, when I said that I own wrestling and I control wrestling, now that I really think about it, I remember that you and I were running neck and neck. Why don't you shut up for a second? It's my turn. Be careful. I am not here to represent the WCW, the NWA, the SPCA, the SOB, although I can be one SOB when I want to be. Be careful. Be real careful. Yeah, I made a lot of money being real careful. <laughs> I'll tell you something there, Charlie Brown. You've been saying that if it wasn't for you, professional wrestling wouldn't be what it is today. Boy, do I got news for you. I come to you for a reality check there, partner. I come because, you see, I'm just as big an icon in this sport as you are. I am just as big a Hollywood movie star as you are. You know, let me have my piece because I'm shooting with this one, folks. I don't care, man. I'm a multi-millionaire, too. I started fighting pro when I was 15 years old. I've had over 6,000 professional matches. I've been stabbed three times. Who? Hello. Sit back, Sprout. Sit back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. let's cut. Wait a second. No, no, no. Shut your mouth. Let's cut. Hang on. Quick. Let me have the floor. I've caught your act. Where were you when I was 15 years old taking on all comers in a garage? Where were you? Playing the bass guitar in Tootsie's Bar and Grill? Huh? Where were you? Shut up, man. Or something, Piper. I'm going to call a spade a spade. We ran together. The heck with a backstory. We fought together. And I don't have a problem with you because, okay, as you've been out in Hollywood making all those movies and becoming a multi-millionaire, I have to think back and give the devil his due. We ran neck and neck. No, no, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> you remember WrestleMania? <laughs> Tell me something. 
If I hadn't knocked out Mr. T, took on the New York City Police Department, chased Dick Clark back, had my way with Liberace, if they didn't hate me so much, you think they would have been cheering you so much? Shut up, I ain't finished. Do you know what bothers you? I'm the only guy you have never been able to beat. He's right. And I'll tell you something else. You're going to admit it. I am as big an icon in this sport, and whether you want to say it or not, you at least have the guts to put your hand out, and you shake my hand, and you admit that it isn't you that brought all these people here. It's all these people here that made you. Now, I'll be glad to. Let me tell you something, Piper. We've had wars to settle the score, which didn't get settled. And I thought you took off with your family and were at peace with yourself. But now that I see you face to face, me being the honest man that I am. Yes, I admit, you're just as big a superstar as I am. Then straighten up. Oh, by the way, Piper, on the way out, when you go to the bathroom, you're supposed to squat in that one. Wow. Well, oh. oh, I'll tell you what. Let me tell you something. No, I've had enough. Let me tell you something. You're messing with Hollywood Hogan and the NWO. You step back into my world, I can still see you've got the makeup on your face, Piper. And the way it goes... Now that I look in your eyes, maybe we need to have the war that didn't settle the score. You your day's coming. Yeah, I want to know something. Yeah. I'm the reason you got no hair, and what you're going to do about it? Your day's coming, Piper. Oh, really? Your day's coming. Get your hands off, Sprout. Your day's coming, wow. Piper. Come on, Giant. Ladies, no fear. We have to go. Tell Let's you go. something else here, Giant. Let's go. I'm the boss. Let's go. But I'm Talk not you finished. Want. You know why? You forgot something. Now we got a problem. Now we got a problem. Now we got oh, a problem. Fans, we have to get out of here. Tell you what my biggest problem is here. I caught your act with Elizabeth. Snacks Good night, everybody. Here. This is my sport. You can have this for now, but I'm telling you something. I won't allow. During this time, the NWL grew larger and stronger and became bigger than ever as Sean Waltman a.k.a. the one 2 3 kid made his debut in WCW, being a part of the clique with Scott Hall and Kevin Ash alongside Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Sean Waltman, the one 2 3 kid the kid, made his debut in WCW for the NWO. He was now a member of the New World Order, now known as Six or Six Pack. Sean Waltman was a part of the crew. It's also during this time that Sting disappeared for an extended period. We didn't know where Sting stood. 
where would Sting lie in this battle between the NWO and WCW? Sting had felt as if WCW turned his back on him, the entire locker room and the entire fan base turned their backs on the Stinger. The bleach blonde hair, the colorful face paint, the colorful wardrobe, the flamboyant Sting seemed to fade away, and in its place became a dark, cold Sting that resembled the Crow, or should we say the Crow character from the movie series. The colorful face paint went to strict white with black eyeliner. He dropped his flamboyant ring garb and jackets with fringe to a black trench coat. And instead of yelling to his fans, he carried a baseball bat. Instead of celebrating with the fans and walking from the locker room to the ring, he stood in the rafters, hiding. Sting was now a lone wolf in the WCW-NWO war. The NWO started to make claim to not only WCW superstars, but actually WCW arenas and television production, as we saw the first ever NWO Saturday night. It took place in an empty arena, as we were still waiting for NWO superstars to wrestle on regular television, such as Saturday night, outside of the Nitro broadcasts. So, NWO Saturday night occurred. It was matches involving NWO talent, a masked NWO referee, which we would now know to be Nick Patrick, it took place without any fans inside the arena. It was an empty arena. Matches took place in front of nobody, just the NWO and the cameramen, but it would be broadcast on WCW television. It was different, was innovative for its time. Of course, you didn't hear any crowd reaction, so you couldn't get any reaction from your viewer as well, but it was different for its time. And I applaud it for that fact. And as Nitros came and went, Sting continued to stand in the rafters and look down on the chaos that would would be caused by the New World Order. World War III took place in Norfolk, Virginia at the Scope. The three-ring 60-man battle royal took place with the Giant becoming victorious and NWO member was now made claim to be the winner of World War III. The winner of the matchup was to be given a WCW title match. So, Hogan felt as if this was a great coup for the NWO because the NWO member, of course, would not challenge Hulk Hogan to a match, right? Or so we thought. Since Roddy Piper debuted in WCW at Halloween Havoc, he had one goal, to take out Hollywood Hulk Hogan. This led us to Starcade 96. The challenge was made and accepted. Roddy Piper took on Hollywood Hulk Hogan. This was a non-title match. This was strictly done out of sheer hatred between the two. Nashville, Tennessee, the Municipal Auditorium, December 29, 1996. The year ended with Hulk Hogan losing to Rowdy Roddy Piper via the sleeper hold. Roddy Piper was victorious, and for one night, WCW had some hope. As Sting was seen in the rafters... The feud that would actually culminate one year later started to brew. Would Sting go after the NWO or join them? What would the legendary Sting do? After this matchup, Hogan blamed the Giant for dropping the ball and causing him to lose the match against Piper. Thus started tension between the Giant and Hogan. 
as the NWO got stronger, so again did its power over WCW Broadcast Television. How was the NWO getting this power? WCW fans, broadcasters, top officials could not understand how the NWO was able to get this TV time. And not only obtain TV time, not only partake in matches, attack WCW superstars, gain the backstage access, but also develop their own pay-per-view called Sold Out. Yes, the NWO debuted their very own pay-per-view. But how did they get this power? Roddy Piper made it known that they had a hidden member all this time, apparently Executive Vice President of World Championship Wrestling, Eric Bischoff, was a part of the New World Order. The five-season center hosted the very first ever NWO pay-per-view. Eric Bischoff and Ted DiBiase were on commentary during the entire broadcast. Some of the feature bouts were in a ladder match, U.S. Champion Eddie Guerrero defeating Six-Pac. Pretty good match between the two. And then the Giant going after the WCW Championship, the right, the title shot that he earned at World War III. The Giant fought Hulk Hogan to a no contest. This was after Hogan smashed a guitar over the Giant's back and then smashed a wooden chair over him as well. Moments later, Hogan, Hall, and Nash, as well as Six and DiBiase, celebrated in the ring as the fans chanted, We want Sting. The Giant was then spray-painted by Hogan. We were to assume that the Giant was no longer a part of the NWO. Super Bowl Seven from San Francisco, California, in the Cow Palace. February 23rd, we saw WCW World Champion Hulk Hogan pin Rowdy Roddy Piper in a rematch at 11 minutes after hitting him with a foreign object placed in his hand by Macho Man Randy Savage. He appeared ringside midway through the bout. The Macho Man was a part of the NWO. Before this was noted, the Macho Man was starting to wear black and white as well, and at one point seemingly to be assigned and aligned with Sting. Sting thought he had an ally in the Macho Man, as they were lone wolves, renegades, rogues, but Randy Savage aligned himself with the New World Order. Uncensored 97 took place on March 16th. The Hogan-Piper feud continued on to Uncensored that year. The main event featured a three-team elimination match. Team Piper versus Team WCW versus Team NWO. Team NWO consisted of WCW World Champion Hulk Hogan, along with Dennis Rodman, Macho Man Randy Savage, and WCW Tag Team Champions Scott Hall and Kevin Ash, the Outsiders. Team WCW consisted of Lex Luger, The Giant, and Scott Steiner. Meanwhile, Team Piper consisted of Roddy Piper, Chris Benoit, Steve McMichael, and Jeff Jarrett. Team NWO won in this elimination match around the 20-minute mark. But what was most notable was the fact that Sting faced off with Hulk Hogan at the end of the pay-per-view broadcast. This Sting-Hogan confrontation seemed more of a reality. Would Sting now side with World Championship Wrestling? On the April 21st edition of Monday Nitro, we saw a former face return once again. J.J. Dillon arrived to the arena making his debut as the new chairman of the WCW Executive Committee.
This was Dylan's TV return after a seven-year absence. This was due to Bischoff now aligning himself with the NWO as a result, making the power shift back to WCW, more of a balanced structure between the two. You now had the head of the NWO, Eric Bischoff, and now the head of WCW, the executive committee, in J.J. Dillon. The power was taken away from Eric Bischoff. Slamboree 97 took place, Charlotte, North Carolina. Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, and Kevin Green defeated WCW Cruiserweight Champion 6 and Tag Team Champion Scott Hall and Kevin Ash. The Wolf Pack were formed between these three. It should be noted that Nick Patrick became the replacement referee of this match, as he was no longer aligned with the NWO. This was Flair's return match after a six-month absence. The Great American Bash, June 15th. Macho Man Randy Savage pinned Diamond Dallas Page in a non-sanctioned lights-out match. Again, Sting and Hogan was looming in the background. Would this match take place on WCW television? Bash at the Beach took place on July 13th, one year after the debut of the New World Order. The main event featured Lex Luger and the Giant defeating world champion Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman. Yes, Dennis Rodman returned to the ring to team with Hulk Hogan. Hogan submitted to Luger's torture rack, and Luger now became the number one contender for the WCW World Championship. As Sting didn't seem to align himself to one group or another, Lex Luger decided to take matters into his own hands and challenge Hulk Hogan for the WCW Championship. And on Nitro, the unthinkable happened. As we finally saw Lex Luger defeat Hulk Hogan to become WCW World Champion. He feels it, he hears it. Got him down. Scott Hall is in. Scott Hall goes down. There they are. Outsiders are down. The Macho Man is up. He's down. And the match continues.
but the way he manhandled Savage, Hall, Nash, and they went on to pick up Hollywood Hulk Hogan, rack him across those big massive shoulders, and yes, you're watching it live from Auburn Hills outside Detroit, Michigan. The Lindley Cup was won here. Now, you can say this may be Luger's town. Look at the show of unity on the part of World Championship Wrestling. Everyone from Alex Wright to the Steiner Brothers to the Giant to Ernest Miller, Dean Malenko, all in to show their support for Luger and WCW. You know, I've witnessed world title matches where a new man was crowned champ. 1983, 1986, when Sting won in 1990, but never with so much emotion and so much camaraderie as we are seeing right there. This has been a breathtaking night from the opening bell. We certainly are thrilled to be able to bring this to you. Lex Luger is the new heavyweight champion of the world, defeating Hollywood Hulk Hogan here tonight. That coupled with the fact that Ted... Okay, I understand there's a celebration backstage. We're gonna attempt to go back there in just a moment. That coupled with Ted DiBiase, going over to the Steiner brothers and all that's gone on, you can definitely say that WCW is at, on the 4th of August, 1997, its strongest point since the insurgence of the NWO back at Memorial Day of 1996, Mike. Wow, what a 100th Nitro. We talked earlier about all the memorable moments in the history of Monday Nitro, and this has to be number one. Brain? Well, I, I wish we were backstage right now. I bet the bottles, the champagne corks are popping. Everybody's high-fiving everybody. And there's a big celebration going back there. That's where we should be right now. The whole world right now. And everybody at WCW. Well, you think it was a World Series. You think it was a Stanley Cup or a Super Bowl. But no, this is the biggest night again tradition takes this place in this great great sport Lex Luger beat up beat up the NWO and became the new heavyweight champion of the world headlines tomorrow in all the papers Luger makes Hogan say I had it I quit you know and that's quite a scene right there the giant with the apparently with paint thinner taking the letters NWO off letters that have been on since Hogan won the title one year ago from the Giants. Jesus, God, 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 it's Sturgis, brother. The family business. Jesus, good God, my man. You know, it wasn't supposed to happen, bro. I wasn't supposed to happen, man. He got lucky, my man. Who's a fluke? I, you guys watch my back at Sturgis. Good God, Luger. Good God, I'm going to just, Jesus. I think Hogan needs a nap. <laughs> Lex Luger, you are our man. Congratulations winning the world title on the most watched television program in the world on the 100th episode of Nitro. Lex Luger comes through. It came out to the torture rack, and it was a scene we'll never forget. He has racked Hogan before, but never before with so much going at him. Hall, Nash, we're going to show it once again. 
and the Macho Man Randy Savage. Let's take a look again. Well, and I'll tell you what happened here. When Hogan tried to cover Luger for three or four times and he couldn't beat him, he realized he was in trouble. He got frustrated. He felt Luger coming back. He felt the, the momentum in Lex Luger. And in the building here with, I don't know, 30,000 people, who knows how many people are at Jam packed in here. But when he picked him up, slapped him in that rack, you can almost hear his spine crack. Hogan wasted no time. He said, yes, I give up. I quit. And there is the new heavyweight champion of the world, Lex Luger, the total package, the total wrestler, the consummate athlete. Lex Luger will now go to Sturgis. We'll go to Road Wild Saturday night. Mark it down. It's a Saturday night at the world heavyweight champion. Luger won it a year ago. Hogan, that is, won it a year ago for the Giants. This leads us to Road Wild 97, the former Hogwild, Sturgis Rally and Race. This is where we saw Hulk Hogan pin WCW World Champion Lex Luger to win back the championship at the 16-minute mark with the leg drop after the fake sting came out and hit Luger in the back with the baseball bat. Once again, Hulk Hogan was WCW World Champion. Dennis Rodman was more of a permanent mainstay in the NWO, and they seemed more powerful than ever. Members such as Buff Bagwell, former Marcus Alexander Bagwell, now joining the group, Scott Norton, Rick and Scott Steiner were rumored to join, but instead, Scott Steiner turned on his brother and joined the NWO. Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, joined the faction. And who could forget Vincent, a.k.a. Virgil, was a part of the New World Order. Then they started to go a little younger. Conan, K-Dog, joined the group, and the NWO seemed to be stronger than ever, leaving Road Wild 97. As the NWO seemed to have all the power and claimed to be the number one wrestling organization, Clash of the Champions 35 took place. This is where Hogan made claim, of course, that the NWO was number one, until the lights flickered and Sting, with a vulture on his arm, was shown in the rafters. Moments later, the voice of a child was heard speaking of Sting and the transformation into what he's become. The lights then went out, and when they returned, the vulture on Sting's arm was seen perched on the top rope as a message to the NWO. Sting was coming for them. War Games returned with Fall Brawl. It featured the NWO versus the Horsemen. Kevin Ash, Buff Bagwell, Six, and Conan represented the NWO. The Horsemen consisted of Ric Flair, Kurt Henning, Chris Benoit, and now U.S. Champion Steve McMichael. The NWO defeated the Horsemen in the War Games match around the 20-minute mark. This was when Henning entered the cage as the last man and immediately gave the NWO two pairs of handcuffs, which they used and Benoit McMichael. Then after the bout, Henning slammed the cage door against Flair's head anyway. At this point, Henning and Flair, their feud was just beginning in WCW. This all stemmed from Henning arriving in WCW, making his debut, and originally being offered Arn Anderson's spot in the Four Horsemen. As Arn had to retire due to injuries... His spot was now open in the Horsemen, and he was giving it to Kurt Henning. 
originally Henning accepted, and we thought we had a new member of the Horsemen. Instead, he turned his back on them and joined the NWO. Again, another decision to make a superstar that seemed to have a place outside the NWO join the group. And of course, this led to the notorious segment of the NWO making fun of on Anderson's retirement and the Four Horsemen. We'll cover this more extensively in the Horseman Files. This brings us to Halloween Havoc. Again, in a rematch, one year ago, the third match in the main event series, Roddy Piper defeated world champion Hulk Hogan in a non-title steel cage match, via submission, of course, with the sleeper hold once again. This was after Randy Savage accidentally dropped Hogan with a double axe handle off the top of the cage. Again, Piper on top, not with the WSW gold, but defeating the NWO. 1997 was a red-hot year for WCW and Monday Nitro, and we saw a lot of memorable moments. But one that is most notorious with wrestling history was when Ravishing Rick Rude was on both Monday Night Raw and Monday Nitro at the same time. It's time for the Generation X! Hit the music! Rick Rude appeared on both uh, Raw and Nitro on uh, November the 17th, and uh, the uh, it certainly surprised us to, to uh, a significant degree because uh, Vince and I had been having ongoing conversations with Rick uh, about a new contract and extending his current uh, working agreement. Uh, we thought we had come to an understanding and were under the impression from talking with him that we had come to an understanding uh, and was in the process of executing the paperwork. Uh, his contract at that time was a short-term contract and had lapsed so we thought we had the contract extended per our conversations with Rick and then uh, on uh, a taped version of Raw he was included and uh, then he appeared the same on uh, the same night on a live edition of Nitro so it was uh, a little surprising because we thought we had a deal with him 24 little hours you know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. What's wrong in the world of professional wrestling is Shawn Michaels claiming to be world champion when he never beat Bret Hart. What's wrong with the world of professional wrestling is for Vince McMahon to instruct a referee to ring the bell in order to rob Bret Hart of his title. But on the other hand, what's right in the world of professional wrestling is for Bret Hart to abandon the Titanic and swim to the refuge of the NWO. Around this point, this is when Monday Night Raw was live every other week. 
with the following week's show being taped the Tuesday after the live edition. So, this week, it was a taped edition of Raw featuring Rick Rude on the program with Degeneration X, a complimentary group to the New World Order. It was around this time when Rick Rude surprisingly made his return to World Championship Wrestling a part of the New World Order. During the exact same time his segment was airing that was taped a week prior for the World Wrestling Federation. Rick Rude decided to leave the World Wrestling Federation, one, because he didn't have an actual written contract, it was a handshake agreement with him and Vince McMahon, and the main reason was due to the Montreal screw job that took place in the World Wrestling Federation, which resulted with Bret Hart leaving the World Wrestling Federation and signing with WCW. Like I mentioned, in 1997, WCW entered its peak, and it was largely due to the NWO storyline. During that time, the NWO feuded with the revived and, of course, face-turned four horsemen, as well as the returning WCW hero Sting, like we mentioned, who is now at the gimmick of The Crow. This would build up to the Starcade pay-per-view in December, the full-year build-up between the two. This wasn't done that often in wrestling, and that's what made this match so special. On the December 13th edition of WCW Saturday Night, me and Gene Okerlund promoted a hotline story on a superstar from up north heading to WCW. That man was Bret the Hitman Hart. That leads us to December 15th, 1997, which we saw the debut appearance of Bret the Hitman Hart on Monday Nitro. Welcome to Nitro. Took a long time to get here. And it's great to be here. It's great to be in Ric Flair country. This is it. That's the magic. So if you're looking for a referee, is that what you want? Referee. I would be honored to be the referee for this match. Yo, Brett, man! 7.5 mil a year, Ted's Turner's money. You, me, for life! Well, I don't know what's your association, just what we've seen in the past. Pretty happy. He is very happy. But... Do what you can, win if you can, but don't look to me for any help. Oh, 7.5 million a year and you get this? Because nobody knows better than I do what it's like to get screwed over by a referee. <laughs> so you're on your own, Jack. You're on your own, Bischoff. I think he said Jack. Jack is good enough for me, too. Look at this guy's beside himself. Tony. It's going down. Oh. I think wait, we, a, wait a minute. There, there may be some more book made here. As I said, she's having an aneurysm. To look more like, let's make a deal every day. Brad. 7.5 mil a year, weekends off. Brett. 
Tony, we're going to leave that up in the air as I throw it back to you guys. Uh, enough is enough. Bret Hart turns around on that one. Bischoff doesn't know what to do. You know, and it... it this was a big coup for WXW, and some people thought it might well could have been the nail in the proverbial coffin for the World Wrestling Federation, seeing the hitman leave and jump ship to WCW. This was a very controversial and pivotal point for WCW. You had the year-long build-up between Sting and Hogan, and when WCW delivered the Sting-Hogan match for the WCW World Championship, Starcade drew WCW's biggest buy rate ever at that point, and Bischoff was largely praised in the months leading up to this pay-per-view. This was due to his refusal to really hotshot, or refusal not to hotshot, should we say, you know, this big event, this big match. As a result of the feud between Raw and Nitro, you really saw matches that should have been delayed or should have been built up a little bit longer thrown out there to try to win a, a quarter-hour ratings, ratings point, or to try to win over the entire ratings block. Instead, this was built up for an entire year. The anticipation was building for these two to square off for the most coveted prize, quote-unquote, in the professional wrestling industry, the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Some fans, however, consider this show, Starcade 97, to be the beginning of the end for WCW. The match was set. December 28th, 1997. Starcade. Sting versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. The biggest event in WCW history was about to take place. A year-long build-up between the homegrown WCW star Sting and the turncoat invading Hollywood Hulk Hogan. In reality, this would be the most pivotal moment in WCW history. The choices that were made for this pay-per-view would have ramifications that would last for the next two years, leading to the downfall of World Championship Wrestling. As we close up Chapter 10, we're coming to Starcade 97, we're approaching the biggest event in WCW history. Find out what happens during this pivotal moment in WCW history on the next chapter of WCW 101, the history of World Championship Wrestling. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. If you're listening to the show, you're a fan of professional wrestling, especially all things related to nostalgia and the old school history of professional wrestling. So if you're like me, you love going back and watching countless of hours of professional wrestling video. And now I've found another avenue to watch even more wrestling. There is another network out there that can fill the hearts of the pro wrestling fanatic. And that is the best in independent wrestling today. The High Spots Wrestling Network. It's your home for all things wrestling. Stream your heart out with the best videos in independent wrestling today. You can watch full events from multiple organizations. And for me, I love shoot interviews. If you love them, this is the network for you. Countless of shoot interviews, plus multiple series. One of my favorites is the Kevin Steen Show. Don't forget Old School with Steve Carino. There's no limits. Watch unlimited streaming videos anytime 
anywhere from any supported device. Watch it from your phone, in the car, or should I say listen to it on your way to work or a long drive. Plug it in. You can watch it on your phone, any place, anytime, on your iPad, with your headphones in so no one can disturb you. Or you can blaze it through your speakers via the Roku app where you can become an exclusive access level member. You can watch the High Spots Network. All for just $9.99. No commitment. Cancel at any time. No commitment. You can cancel at any time. So go now and sign up for over 500 videos, almost 1,400 hours of professional wrestling content. Become a member now at www.highspotswrestlingnetwork.com. You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Podcast, Beyond the Bell. You can listen to Beyond the Bell on iTunes, Player.fm, the SNS Radio Network, Podbay.fm, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and our official website, btbcast.com. Connect socially on Facebook and Twitter at btbcast. Watch retro videos on our official YouTube channel, btbcast network. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be sent to contact at btbcast.com. TBcast.com. Go old school with Beyond the Bell. Wrestling fans, next edition. We relive the formation of the Wolf Pack and the rise of Goldberg, not to mention the debut of Brett the Hitman Hart. Plus, we break down the biggest starcade of all time. But wait, it doesn't end there. We cover the debut of WCW Thunder. A lot to relive in Chapter 11 of WCW 101. Content courtesy of Soli's Vintage Wrestling, the Mid-Atlantic Gateway, Legacy of Wrestling, IW Headlines, and the DDT Digest. Audio courtesy of the WWE Network, High Spots, YouTube, WWE DVD releases, The Rise and Fall of WCW, and the History of the World Heavyweight Championship. This is your old school host, Sean Beckerman, signing off. I'll see you for chapter 11 as we relive the rise of Goldberg. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Bell. Remember to always keep it old school, my friends.